WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQ&A, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grove. This week we're dedicating the show to Captain America, the man, the myth, the shield, the shippable star-spangled Steve Rogers. Just in time for the 4th of July, we're getting a new volume of Cap's Adventures, written by Ten Hasty Coates and drawn by Lanil Yu. And joining me to talk about it is Meg Downey, a writer for CBR, Polygon, IGN, DCComics.com, and other sites. And for my money, one of the most knowledgeable Cap fans out there. A little behind-the-scenes caveat before we get into the episode. Skype decided it didn't want to be my friend anymore the week we recorded, so I had to re-record all my parts of the interview to get rid of a weird echo effect. Uh, So kids, the lesson here is when Skype tells you to update, you better update. Anyway, here's me and Meg. Meg, thanks for coming on board. Absolutely no problem. Thank you so much for having me. So we're talking about Cap, because in just a few short weeks, we're getting a new volume of Captain America, uh, written by Tennessee Codes, drawn by Lino Yu. What are your expectations, slash hopes, slash fears, slash dreams for this new volume? Oh, man. So I, I'm i actually just flat out stoked. I don't think I have any like real fears about uh, Coates' Cap at all going forward, which maybe is a little idealistic of me. Like I probably (laughs) should be more nervous than I am Mm -hmm. all things considered. Um, But I think Coates has such a cool voice and like, I've been, you know, like reading what he's doing in black Panther, especially what he's doing now in like the relaunch, the most recent relaunch of Mm -hmm. black Panther um, with like the cosmic Wakanda stuff. He just is so like, he has such a fresh take on these characters that I feel like we kind of take for granted with, you know, like characters like Cap and T'Challa and everything, like they they kind of have this, you know, kind of stuffy, like expe- expected voice that they kind of fall into all like in which I'm guilty of it too. Like I get comfortable in that, and that's just kind of how I'm like, whatever, it's fine. So I'm really hoping that Coates is going to do something new and weird. And I think we saw a little bit of that with the whole like free comic book day mm-hmm. uh, mini, which. I thought was amazing. I think Nuke is, I have, I could write a novel about Nuke. I think Nuke is like one of the coolest cat villains. Like I just love everything about him. I love what he represents. Bringing a bunch of colognes of him into the play is like, like that's so cool. Like, sure, why not? This is awesome. Um, And I also, I love, I just love Yu's artwork. I think that he, in the work he did, I think it was in, Hickman's run or maybe it was just in Infinity I don't remember which issues he worked on but whichever mm-hmm. he just has such a cool style and so like I think I'm hoping I'm hoping beyond hoping that this will be a really positive upswing for Steve because Lord knows he kind of needs one right now I think that actually kind of uh segues well into our next question uh have we forgiven Marvel for Secret Empire yet <sighs> I I think it's complicated. And the reason I think that is because really I'm one of the rare people who I, my problems with secret empire weren't necessarily that I thought it was a bad idea. Um, I think that there is plenty of like opportunity, I guess, or plenty of like landscape to work with in a story that is about Steve having to go bad. Like, I think that that's, you know, like, there's something cool there. Like, there is a story that can be told in that space that is worthwhile and poignant and interesting. I don't think Secret Empire was that story at all. And I think that was, 
75% because it wasn't necessarily coordinated the way it needed to be coordinated, like with the tie-ins and the arcs and everything kind of coming together. But I also think that, you know, Nick Spencer's Twitter presence didn't help at all. No. Um, <laughs> when you don't make yourself endearing, you know, to, to the audience, it's really, really hard to support your work. And it's really, really hard to kind of back what you're doing. So I, I definitely think there are things that need to be forgiven for Secret Empire. I think that there's a lot of things that need to be healed for that, but I don't I don't know if we necessarily need to like address it in the same way of it like, oh, we need to like go and fix Cap now or we need to go and like you know, forgive everything that happened to him or whatever. I think I think the best thing that could happen is that we actually let Secret Empire stand. And we make the characters kind of deal with it in fiction. You know, like, I think that that the idea that, like, things need to be forgiven is kind of what is drawn, like, Wade's run currently to just being like, well, it happened and it's over and we're done and we're never going to acknowledge it again. And I think that that's such a disservice. Like, you put us through all, like, it was, like, over a year of, like, really annoying stories that, like, had this potential for, like, some sort of big thing you know to happen or like some sort of like big dramatic consequence and now it's like well people were mad about it so we don't want to talk about it anymore i'm like well i think i don't know i think that dealing with secret empire head on and like making steve sit back and say like okay this was a horrible thing that happened in my image and in my name and i need to confront that directly without kind of like skirting awkwardly around it is Mm -hmm like the key and I hope that Coates does that I hope that because I feel like he of everyone at Marvel like he's probably the least afraid to do it um now whether or not you know editorially he is allowed to is a totally different you know situation that's a whole other bag of cats but I think you know I don't know I don't think that there's anything that needs to be forgiven I think it needs to be actually dealt with and it has not been dealt with yet at all uh, no, it hasn't. Uh, Wade and Somni's mini-run between Spencer and Coates is this kind of total feel-good, purist, almost 1970s, kind of divorced from everything before and after it uh, take. Uh, it's gorgeous to look at. I mean, I miss Chris Somni. You know, it's only been a, a month or two, but... Uh... Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... I Wade is hit or miss for me i think that he does really great stuff i think he does really boring stuff i think unfortunately his cap work currently has been super boring i've been like just barely managing to like get through it but like the the samney stuff was so like just pretty it just looked great like i'll fall samney wherever he ends up whatever he ends up doing i'll i'll absolutely devour it but yeah no the the stuff that's happening with cap right now is just it's so inconsequential and it doesn't it doesn't feel like it has any weight and it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere and it doesn't feel like it's really doing anything. And it's more just like, well, here's an adventure. But like, ironically, like Steve's hardly in it, at least in like the most recent months, like it's all like time travel and it's just like, oh, okay, this is fine, I guess. And like, I don't know. I, it's fine. It's, you know, like it's fine without a capital F, like just lowercase F fine. But I've been bored. I've been just bored of it. I mean, the question I have is, how do you make a dystopian future charming? And that may just be the art, but it didn't... It didn't have the same weight. 
<laughs> no, it definitely didn't feel like it felt like half dystopia and half like fun parody. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was kind of like, you know, like the like weird, like cartoon version of a dystopia to like kind of wink and nod at it, which like I get the intent. I think the intent was, you know, like we just had a dystopia in like real time with Secret Empire. Like it was all about a dystopia and it was not cartoony at all. And now like we're going to kind of do something different. And it's, you know, like I get the idea. I just don't think it was executed in a way that like worked at all. Sure. Yeah. It just, it wasn't, it didn't do anything for me. It, It continued to like not do anything for me. I think Wade, unfortunately, the voice he slips into for Steve every so often is more that like sort of curmudgeonly old man voice which i just i hate it's my least favorite voice for steve it's just the worst and like it's always like dudes in like their 40s and 50s who kind of like slide into that on accident because it's you know it's sort of like the default like authority voice that Mm -hmm. that happens and so like i get it i get where it comes from but oh my gosh like every so often reading like you know like i don't remember which one it was it was like immediately after that like before the stopia stuff like immediately after the like cute city that like loved steve for some reason like why did that (laughs) city still exist after secret empire who knows that's so weird right he went Um, to all these small towns that like totally didn't know that secret empire happened happened right like what (laughs) he caught entire nation right like i don't know i and that was so (laughs) weird and just so like non sequitur it was just like what it, it read and like i had heard rumors and like i don't know if obviously any of this is true this is like convention floor rumors is that sure. like a lot of um wade's run current run was actually inventory stories that they had kind of like on the back burner just in case they needed to like buy time or whatever like you know something fell through and so that's why it read as kind of like tone deaf mm-hmm. because it wasn't actually written in response to anything it was just written as like a story um which, like I said, I have no idea if that's true or not. It probably isn't, but I could absolutely believe that it is, you mm-hmm. know, just based on how kind of weird and, like, out of nowhere those stories were. Um, but, yeah, no, just the voice that Steve would use, especially, like, he had that – there was that issue where he was, like, trying to guide the the person who was, like, Craven's target yeah, yeah. away from him. And he just kept, like, acting like the biggest asshole like just treating this guy who like i mean eventually ended up being like a plant and like i get it and like oh you can make the argument that he knew all along or whatever but like that's so weak like steve isn't gonna be barking orders at like a person who he assumes or like is needing to him to like know that he knows that he's a civilian Mm -hmm. like that's just dumb it's just not it's not charming it's not anything it's that weird sort of like authority voice that i hate doesn't have the like empathy that I think Steve needs. And I think that that's where Wade's kind of at right now is that like lack of empathy. And that's not, doesn't do anything for me. Let me ask you this. Uh, how long have you been a cat fan? What was your first exposure to the character? Man. Um, so I started reading comics way, like, not that long ago, I, I started reading in earnest when I turned 16 and got my license because this was before the days of comiXology and before the days of digital comics at all. And I had to drive to a comic shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got my license and could drive and I lived in like suburban, r- semi-rural Ohio. And so it was like a hike to get to the comic shop. And this was in the early 2000s, I would think. Um, and so I started prim- like primarily with DC stuff and then kind of splashed out into Marvel. And at the time, 
civil war was like going on like that was like the big thing and like everyone was talking about civil war it was all cap and tony cap and tony blah 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 Uh and so my first memory of steve was actually him dying like that was like my first like major thing that i like was like oh captain america's thing because like i think like a lot of people i lived in that sort of bubble where i was like whatever like i like batman i don't want this weird (laughs) blonde guy like who cares you know like and then even when i started reading marvel i I liked tony so much more because i mean obviously like tony's kind of like painted at least in the beginning of civil war like he's painted as the one who's being very rational and steve is the one who's like being belligerent and weird i could also go on for days about civil war but like (laughs) early beginning of civil war tony is very much the sympathetic guy um so i yeah i went through that like not reading it faithfully but like reading it enough and kind of reading the avengers books at the same time and i really didn't have any sort of opinion on him until he died and then i was like oh and suddenly like there was those those like follow-up things of like the the stages of grief like captain america like yeah yeah Oh my God. And it's like, I read those and I was just like, holy shit. Like, (laughs) this is so cool. I don't, and I didn't really know anything about him, but I also just like immediately like that sparked it. And I was like, oh, there's so much more here than what I had assumed there was just by me being like, you know, a punk ass kid. And so I went back and I read all of Brubaker's stuff. I read just everything, everything I could get my hands on. And then I actually like went and like, read civil war like a real person instead of just like hopping around issues and be like i don't really care um and just immediately fell in love with like i just was like i was wrong i was completely like everything i thought i knew i was i didn't know everything that i had like made up in my head about this character was like completely off the wall um and just went back and yeah no like that was so I guess it's sad that it took that it took him literally like taking a bullet for me to be like, oh, I guess I'll pay attention to him. Um, but no, ever since then, it's it's been and like and I still love Tony, too, obviously. Like I I, you know, like I'll follow him forever. And I think he's great. But I yeah, no, it's definitely around then. And then we were off to the races. I went back and read just everything I could get my hands, which, again, still pre-comicsology days so there was a lot of like trawling through live journal and <laughs> trying <laughs> to find like scans of issues i couldn't you know find in the store and like artfully dodging the weird questions i would get by the guy at my like lcs because i kept like showing up like week after week but like not buying any new books just like buying old back issues just like don't pay attention to me i'm here for research bye uh, <laughs> which is yeah and that's that's all she wrote. <laughs> oh, we both came up about the uh, same time. Uh, started with Civil War One. Uh, I've been a lapse reader for a couple of years. I've been in X Men from like '93 until just after Morrison left, and I heard about Civil War, and uh, you know, I see Cap surfing on a Quinjet, and I'm like, oh, okay. I've never actually given that character the time of day, but he seems cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that was definitely. I remember kind of having to like grapple with that in myself of like. This idea that, like, everyone, like, prior to the MCU, even, everyone thought Cap was just this lame, like, no one ever wanted to talk about him. Like, no one ever wanted to take him seriously. And I, yeah, like, I remember one of my, like, clearest memories from that era. Because it was also, like, 
sort of around the time when like the Iron Man movie stuff was like starting to happen. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like Robert Downey Jr. had been cast, like things that were like the pipeline was moving. Um, and so people were talking about, you know, comic book movies and whatever. And I remember sitting in the back of a car at like a Chinese restaurant or something like we had like ordered takeout and we were waiting for it to like be ready. And we'd gotten there early or whatever. So I was like sitting with a friend of mine and we were just like talking about movies and whatever. And we're like, can you even imagine like there's never going to be a Captain America movie. Like nobody likes that guy. It'll never happen. And just like being completely positive that like he would never, ever, ever get popular enough to have because like no one took him seriously like everybody the like you know contact recognition with captain america was like oh like that guy whatever like what is this power of patriotism like that was always the response so mm-hmm. but now here we are which is wild <laughs> do you have an all-time favorite uh, arc or run man um i do but it's actually a bucky issue okay. i I I don't even remember the number. I'd have to like look it up because I recognize it by cover and not by number. Okay. Um, it's right after Bucky takes the shield and he it's Bucky Cap and it's mm-hmm. the issue where he fights Crossbones for the first time and he stabs him in the thigh and Crossbones has the best reaction in the world because he's like, "What the hell just happened? Like, did Captain America just stab me?" <laughs> and it's this whole like reaction of like the idea that like the Marvel universe at large doesn't associate Captain America with Steve. They just associate Captain America with Captain America. And like anybody could kind of be under the cowl and no one would really pay any attention until he does something weird. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that concept is so cool. And now, especially in like the, the years after Steve's secret identity became public, because a lot of people don't, especially with like the MCU and everything, like, MCU doesn't deal with secret identities at all. Um, and so everyone kind of proceeds under this assumption that, like, Steve's always been public, but that's not true. Like, he actually went public in, like, 2002 or 2001. Like, right after 9-11, during that, like, Marvel Knights run is when he actually went public. Oh, wow. um, yeah, it's it's wild. It was super recent. Um, and until then, it was all secret identity like no one knew steve rogers was cap Mm -hmm. and so there's still like some residual of that right like the marvel universe is still kind of like you know it's timeless in the way that like it's not it hasn't been you know 19 years or 18 years since then for them right it's been you know six months or whatever you know made up figure of time um and so i love those like sequence of issues when bucky is first starting to kind of step into his own as cap and the entire like marvel universe is reacting to him being like what is going on <laughs> like why does captain america have a gun why is he stabbing people like if i shoot his left arm i know exactly <laughs> like, no one pays attention to like the new costume but they're always just like what <laughs> like what is happening um i will go back to those those issues like over and over and over um and then for steve i this is dumb but the first encounter with the Amiridroid back in the 70s is still the funniest thing in the world to me. It's one of my favorite like bizarro back issues of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could tell you the uh, issue number off the top of my head because I don't know it. I'm really bad with numbers. I don't like you'll find this about me the more like every time I like write anything I always have to have like a list of numbers like in the side documents or whatever just because I can't remember them ever. Um, 
but the first time Steve encounters the Ameridroid, um, it's the best, like, silver, end of silver, bronze age cap, like, camp in the world. It's like this... <laughs> guy wants to be steve and he wants to make a giant android body and he's all excited because he made like a replica steve and it's like 15 feet tall and he's gonna upload his consciousness in it and he's gonna be the perfect man and then he does it and he ends up like having an existential crisis because he's just too big to be normal like that's <laughs> the whole point is like he freaks out because he's too big and then he goes and runs away and lives in, like, the woods of Norway. And Steve is just like, all right, <laughs> and leaves. <laughs> so it's like, oh, there's, like, literally, like, a Captain America Bigfoot running around <laughs> in, like, Newfoundland or something. I don't even remember what country it was. But I love those issues. I think they're amazing. I go back all the time. <laughs> oh, man, that's better than that 50s cat that's brainwashed and crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's way better. Like, I, Cap of the 50s stuff and everything is all fun to me. Like, all of the, like... Steve has a lot of, like, identity issues. Like, that's one of, like, the crux of Captain America comics all the time is that, like, it always harkens back seriously or unseriously, like, or comedically or whatever, mm -hmm. to issues of, like, self-discovery and, like, grappling with your own identity and whatever. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's serious, like, the Cap of the 50 stuff and, like, the, the preludes to Secret Empire, the original Secret Empire. Um, all of that stuff's really cool to me, but I love it when they, like swing the other way and like let it be just completely absurd like okay sure this guy's really upset because he's like 10 feet tall and like can never know the love of a woman is what he says as like <laughs> he's like all like furious about it and steve's just like yeah man that sucks you can go <laughs> like, <laughs> like okay um yeah no i love love all of that old stuff it's so fun you should just uh port over to dc and have a little fun with giganta or something i know right like there are, I'm sure there's, like, giant characters in the, in the Marvel Universe that would be fine. But, like, yeah, no, just that it was, it must have been, like, mid-70s when this story was told. But it's mm -hmm. so funny and so weird. Like, okay, sure, whatever. It definitely had the hallmark of a 70s Marvel comic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially Steve in the 70s was very much going through that, like, the best thing that happens when you're reading, like, old Steve comics or, like, old Cap comics just in general, no matter mm -hmm. who they're about, is you can see the, like, edit, the, like, ebb and flow, I guess you would have to call it, of, like, the editorial panic of, like, trying to make Captain America cool to kids. And so, like, Every so often, like, especially in, like, the 70s and, like, going into a little bit of the 80s, like, Steve would go, like, 10 issues and then he would get, like, a new, like, updated, like, this is what this guy is. And, like, he's so cool because he's a war veteran and he's so cool because he actually was frozen and ice. And it's just, like, really? You thought people were going to forget that in, like, <laughs> less than a year? But okay. Yeah, it was just a lot of, like, nonstop like throwing things at the wall to see what would make them stick just because no one could really figure out what to do with him, especially like after they brought him back, you know, like yeah. once they unthought and they were like, oh, um, this guy is a relic of another time and it's not quite as charming as we thought it would be like, we got to figure out something. So it's just a lot of a lot of very random stories, a lot of very like unintentionally or intentionally hilarious stories. It's the best. It's so much fun. And then Kirby came back and just turned the book into an acid trip for two years. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. Like all like the Mad Bomb stuff. It's just so like, 
I think, thank God Kirby came back, because I think that up until that point, people were, like, a little scared, out, especially after, like, the original Secret Empire stuff. Like, people were, like, dodgy about, like, actually saying things with Cap. Like, they tried, mm-hmm. and they, like, you know, people didn't really know how to react at that point. And so then Kirby came back, and he's like, no, screw it. We're going to do this. And, like, okay. Like, great. We're going for it. And then after that, you know, it kind of went back to normal for a little bit but not too much and then jm de mateus came in and turned it into a weird pacifist treaty and mm. after that it got real weird other way yeah so thank god kirby came back and was like just do weird things it works and everyone was like okay <laughs> and then Grunwald turned cap into a werewolf i mean 20 years later but you know <laughs> yeah god after a while but i think that's yeah, Cap Wolf is amazing to me. I love it. I think it's one of my favorite like random ideas. I wish, I wish beyond wishing that the like Captain America fandom that kind of spawned out of the MCU would embrace Cap Wolf more than they have because they haven't, and it's like it kills me because as a person who also really loves the MCU fandom and really loves you know the Chris Evans people and everything and like the Stucky community and the fandom that's fond of it there's just not enough there's not enough love of Cap Wolf they'll mind other comics but they never mind Cap Wolf and I'm just like come on <laughs> it's so much fun let's just do it Spencer also turned uh, Sam into a Cap Wolf but eh, it just wasn't the same no and he also wasn't there like at the same like Red Wing was a vampire very recently <laughs> Which was hilarious, but like not not any not anywhere near like mm-hmm. what I want. Like you, you can do more than that; it's fine. <laughs> you wrote an article for Polygon shortly before Infinity War came out. The basic premise of which was, uh, and I'm going to quote directly here: uh, Over the last seven years, Steve Rogers has become shippable as hell. Uh, it examines his relationships with the Carters, both Peggy and Sharon, and with Tony and with Bucky. It was a great piece, but. If I'm Sam Wilson, am I reading this feeling a little always a bridesmaid, never a bride? Oh, see, everyone, I that was like the most common comment that I got on that piece. And it was like, well, what about Sam? What about Sam? And the truth is, I had a hard 1,500 character limit. Like, I was 1,500 words and that was it. And like, my editor was like, no more. Um, and so I was like, fine. <laughs> and so I had to cut out like a ton anyway, um, which is the real reason why Sam is not in that, um, in that umbrella. But the other reason I think, I think Sam and Steve's relationship is pretty consistent. Like it's almost, it doesn't really matter which universe you're in. It doesn't really matter which era you're looking at. They're always, they're pretty much like the golden mean of like a Steve relationship of like his friends or like no matter how you want to re- read their relationship, like it stays pretty much the same. Um, and really the the conceit of that piece and the idea of that piece was looking at the way that the MCU has updated relationships and updated the way that people perceive Steve's relationships. Whereas like, I don't think it's updated. I don't think it's needed to update Sam and Steve's relationship. I think Sam and Steve's relationship was golden to begin with and has stayed the same. And it's the same in the comics as it is in the MCU. Um, And it's just been, you know, kind of a baseline. Like there's really no sort of like major transition or major upheaval that happened when Sam was introduced in Winter Soldier. I think that he just picked up comic Sam's lead and, and ran with it. Um, 
so no, I hope I personally, I love shipping Steve and Sam. Like, I think it's great. I love the two of them. I love their entire dynamic. I especially love them in like, you know, the pre secret empire comics, like Steve is nomad, their whole like weird. Oh my God. If you've ever read old Falcon comics, like his backstory is buck wild. It's so weird. Oh yeah. Is he a social worker? Is he a gangster named snap? I mean, who's to say, right? Like who knows? Like it's different every time you read it and it's going to be like a whole thing about like mind control. Yeah. It's very weird. Um, all of that shit is so much fun. Um, and just the way even like Kirby's art, like I love picking out like unintentionally homoerotic panels for all of them. Cause there's always like, <laughs> especially with Kirby's drawing, it's like, Oh, and here they are like sharing a bed or like, here they are like in like sleepover talk. Like, you know, like, it's just very weird and very cute. Um, so I personally, I hope, I wish more people did. I feel like with like with the tsunami that happened with Stucky after the mm-hmm. MCU, everything else kind of got washed out, um, which is unfortunate because I also really love Stony. Um, I love Steve and Sharon sometimes. I don't not so much in the MCU, but every so often in the comics I can dig it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's one of those that like unfortunately it got eclipsed by a larger you know like a more popular pairing but hopefully especially you know in the post avengers 4 world who knows what's going to happen um steve and sam or steve and bucky also a ship that's great and fun um will become a little bit more popular so i feel like you know the um the stucky stuff is overwhelming online and maybe peggy a close second um you know maybe i'm not uh, looking at the right fan fiction sites or whatever, but uh, I guess I'm just not seeing the same amount of love for uh, Stalkit. Uh, do people call it that? I don't know. I don't, is there? I don't know if there's like a cool portmanteau name for them. Um, no, there's definitely not enough, um, which is really unfortunate. And like that's kind of a whole other conversation about whether or not you know it's a it's a fandom problem kind of across the board, and that like it's always the you know, young, attractive white guys who get the most attention and and everything, which is an issue. And it's always an issue. And it's always, you know, kind of like it always rears its head, especially when like a new pairing becomes a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, Just look at Star Wars. That's all other conversation. The whole, you know, like, oh, Admiral Hux and Kylo Ren are the number one ship of the new Star Wars. That's weird, but okay. Um, I thought it was Finn and Poe. It's not uh, like... It kind of is, but, like, if you go actually look at, like, Archive of Our Own, like, the most, like, written about characters by, you know, I could not explain this to you, but it's, like, Hux is, like, the big deal. Huh. I could pull it up right now. It's wild. Yeah, it's a whole thing. There's Fandom is a complicated and problematic ecosystem. Um, that is, yeah, that is no, true. De- <laughs> yeah, there is definitely not enough love or attention paid to uh sam and steve just across the board which mm, i think i mean there are some really good stories out there that include that dynamic or they include like if you if you ship sam steve and bucky in like a threesome it's called all caps which i think is the best name in the world (laughs) oh my god that's brilliant yeah it's the best um and so there's a lot of all caps fandom like that's probably like the most predominant way to ship sam um otherwise it's yeah it's a really dismal showing which is unfortunate which i also think i mean i think hopefully you know if sometime down the line we get a falcon solo movie 
or like a Falcon, like a Cap and Falcon movie that's like maybe Bucky and and, St- and Sam, or you know, I don't know, some whatever happens post Avengers four. I think a solo spotlight in like a live action way, whereas like Sam not having to like be the support character who isn't the you know he's not the villain, which is you know kind of an inherent detriment to fan attention, unfortunately, because that's it's spicy to like villains. Um, mm-hmm. And so you didn't have the like Bucky boost of being the Winter Soldier. He just is kind of always the wingman. And I think having a solo light shined on him will hopefully, eventually, someday, really turn that around. But until then, I just kind of have to hope that people pay attention and people like him, which I think they do like him. I just don't think he gets shipped nearly as much as he should be. Yeah, I mean, I think he's Cap's you know, longest, sort of most consistent relationship, uh, you know, maybe with the exception of Tony. Um, MCU-wise, uh, do you think we're headed toward a who's going to wield the shield type movie between Sam and Buck? I I don't know. I, I have stayed up. I have lost much sleep over the idea of, like, what's going to happen to the you know, cap mantle in the post Avengers four world. Um, in my heart of hearts, I don't want it to be like a, who will wield the shield thing. Like, I don't want them to like come to blows over it. Like I don't, I absolutely don't want the like, Oh no, we have to like pick who, you know, gets it and no one wants it. And like, who's worthy of it or whatever. Like, I hope if Steve is going to pass the mantle and I think that he, he will, I hope it's like explicitly clear that like, it's going to Bucky or it's going to Sam. I don't really care which one of them gets it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that no matter which one of them gets it, I want them to have kind of like either a duo movie or like a solo movie with, you know, the opposite kind of being support for it or whatever. Um, Also because I think Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie have just great chemistry. Like they're so funny and they clearly are like really good friends, um, which is, you know, a huge asset when it comes to, this sort of thing. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how they're going to pull it off. I don't know what they're going to do with it. I know that Avengers 4, like, no matter what happens, I'm probably going to leave the theater crying a lot, really hard, you know, embarrassingly. But I'm, yeah, I really hope, I really hope that we can circumvent the whole, like, well, who's worthy and who needs it and who, you know, who deserves it more and who wants it more or whatever. I hope, you know, whatever happens, Steve is just like, it goes to you. That's it. Bye. You know, or whatever, which is <laughs> unlikely. He just rolls over and dies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it, like he walks off into the sunset or something like that. I don't know. But, you know, like, I don't want him to die and I don't really want him to like retire, but I definitely think he's going to pass it to someone. I just hope it's, you know, clear. I hope he doesn't like throw it into the ocean. It's like, all right, whoever finds it first gets it. Bye. I don't know. That'd be a pretty good way to introduce Namor. I know. I I have so many like conspiracy theories about like how they can bring Namor into things. I'm like, this would be perfect. Um, I want I want Namor to show up in Black Panther two. I want that to be the conflict of Black Panther two, and it'll be perfect. Ooh, what a kind um, of higher. Yeah, that's what I want. Like, that's yeah. I just want. Oh, I want Namor. I wanted Atlantis to be a stinger for Infinity War, which obviously before I had seen Infinity War and before I knew it was going to happen. Um, but there are so many cool ways to get Atlantis into the MCU. All we need is the rights. It would be cool. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely think Steve should just 
hand it to somebody and you know circumvent all that other drama and just let it let it go to somebody and have it be that mm-hmm. all right let's do a little uh, mcu fan casting a little phase four action here marvel decides to do a thunderbolts movie which mcu villains do you cast uh they can be you know existing villains they've already introduced or we can throw in some new ones oh oh god see that's hard especially with the idea i mean the MCU has a villain problem. I'm not. That's not a revolutionary thing to say. Half of them lack lack charisma. <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. Um, so I, um, I feel like my. I mean, like of course, like anytime you say Thunderbolts, like my first instinct is like, oh well, we need Zemo, and then I like, oh right, Zemo was already a thing, and he's currently in prison, but he's not dead. Exactly. So. I think, yeah, like, get Zemo out, he leads. And, like, God, I forget that actor's name, but he's great. Like, I think he's amazing. Like, he was, he did a great job with what they gave him. I thought it was a little bit of a waste of Zemo, but, like, whatever. It's fine. Um, definitely Zemo. Definitely. Mm, God. Who is even still on the playing field? Uh, not Loki, who's the only other, like, obvious pick of, like, fan-favorite villains. Um, God, I guess failing failing Bucky becoming Cap, I think I really liked the idea of him becoming part of the Thunderbolts in the most recent yeah. run of Thunderbolts with mm-hmm. Kobik stuff, um, which I think that would be really cool if you, like, forced... Bucky and Zemo into a room together, you know, kind of almost Suicide Squad style where, like, they don't want to be together, but, like, they have to be for some reason or another. Hopefully not explosives in their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, I think those two would be really cool, I think. Hmm. Not Hela, who's dead, obviously, but even if, like, Asgardian stuff, she just wouldn't be a good team player. Mm-hmm. God. Um, Killmonger would be so cool, but he's dead, yeah. and I don't want that death. I don't want that death to be reversed because it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh, but they did such a good job with him. I, I yellow jacket, maybe. I don't know. Is like, he... I don't know. I don't remember. I only saw Ant Man once, and I don't remember anything but like some of the jokes. Like, I don't remember Ant Man at all. Um, not, hmm. Yeah, I don't, that's a great question. I don't, I don't think they have enough ground laid for a Thunderbolts movie. I really don't think they do. I, yeah, which is a bummer. Because, like, it, it seems like an inevitability. And it seems like something that should happen. It's just, I don't think that they have... They don't have the scaffolding there yet. And I think that introducing, you know, five or six new villains in a movie is a really bad idea. We saw that with Suicide Squad. <laughs> Very bad idea. The only ones I can think of that would be shoo-ins, I think, would be the Michael Keaton vulture. And uh, I don't know where you stand on this, but uh, Justin Hammer, for me, was always the best Iron Man villain uh, in the MCU. Yeah, I feel... I feel bad because I forget about Justin Hammer a lot just because I forget about Iron Man 2 a lot. (laughs) But, like, he was good. I think that I forget him because, you know, Mickey Rourke was there and being loud and chewing up scenery and had a bird. That's the other thing I remember about that movie is there was a bird. Um, Yeah, no, Justin Hammer would be great. 
I think I I think I've just written off Vulture as being part of the eventual Sinister Six or whatever. Yeah. When yeah, that's gonna happen. Um, with Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio is gonna be incredible. Like, hopefully that's real. I don't know if that's real or not, but like. I'm stoked. I can't wait. I think that's perfect casting and a perfect villain choice for Tom Holland. Um, yeah, no, I think Vulture was amazing. I don't know if I would want him on a Thunderbolts, but I think that, I mean, he's like the only real choice from that branch of the MCU. And I think, yeah, Justin Hammer would be great if anyone remembered him, <laughs> which like Lord knows. Ugh. Less seen in that uh, fake Mandarin one shot. Yeah. Oh my god. I again Iron Man Iron Man Three is another one of those movies I've only ever seen once, which is bad. <laughs> like I should watch it again, but like I have like very little recollection of any of the like Mandarin stuff or yeah, like oh my god. That's I need to brush up on that. I need to like go and rewatch it. I did not do obviously I did not do the like giant like forty eight hour Marvel marathon thing that people were doing in front of Infinity War. <laughs> Did not do that. Uh, elected to sleep instead. Uh, so I have not rewatched most of the MCU movies, with the exception of the Cap movies, which I have watched a million times. Um, but the rest of them, not so much, which is embarrassing and bad and also shows where my bias lies. I mean, for as much as we talk about these movies, they don't all hold up. Uh, you know, the Iron Man sequels aren't great. I don't think anybody's dying to rewatch that Ed Norton Hulk movie. No, not at all. Like, yeah, like there's there's movies that like I don't think are the only. No, that's a lie. The only MCU movie I like flat out hated was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and I know that people disagree with me on that, and that's fine. But I hated that movie. I hated every part of it. I never want to experience it again. Every other movie I'm like, mm, even the ones I didn't like, I'd still watch again. I just, you know, it's a matter of, like, remembering to watch them. Mm-hmm. Then, like, oh, yeah. Um, so it's definitely, like, I could I could stand to do a rewatch of things that are not Steve-related. But I have the same problem with, like, reading comics. And, like, especially with Marvel Unlimited I'll do that thing where I'm like, I should go read comics about Ant-Man or whatever. Like, Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out. I'm going to go read a bunch of Ant-Man comics. And, like, I suddenly, you know, like, I enter a fugue state. And then 15 (laughs) minutes later, I'm just reading Cap again. Like, it just keeps happening. Um, Which is kind of the same way I am with the MCU. Like, I could watch Iron Man 2 again. Or I could watch Winter Soldier for the 75th time. It's fine. Um, Yeah, so that's just what keeps happening. I mean, the choice is obvious there. Um, I don't blame you on Guardians 2. I wanted to like that movie a lot more, but uh, I ended up lukewarm on it. And the thing is, like, I remember sitting in the theater and watching my wife and my son bawl their eyes out over Yondu, and all I could think was, he just killed all those people. When did he redeem himself? Did I miss that part? I don't remember taking a bathroom break. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, it is... I... My problem with Guardians 2, and I always have to explain this to people, like, I get why people liked it, and, like, that's fine, but, like, I just thought it was the meanest Marvel movie. Like, all of the humor was so mean, and it punched down, like, endlessly. Like, everyone had to lose a joke. Everyone had to be, like, the butt of an exchange. Like, all of the gags were just mean-spirited, and, like, 
you know, like people are trying to sell it like, oh, like, well, they're a family and they love each other and they're just mean because they love each other. I'm like, it didn't read like that at all to me. It read that they all hated each other and they all just wanted nothing to do. Like, it was like family guy. Like everyone kind of wanted to like kill each other. It's like, well, they're a family still, but like that, it doesn't do anything for me. And so I just was so deeply uncomfortable that whole time. It was just like, ugh. None of it was funny. It didn't make me laugh. Like, Yondu, like, I really like Michael Rooker, and, like, I really mm-hmm. like Yondu as a character. Um, but, like, him dying didn't do anything for me. Because, like, like you said, like, he was a murderer. Like, he didn't do anything. Like, he just he was like, oh, I murdered all these people. Also, I sort of abducted you from, like, but I saved you. But, like, I still abducted you. So... <laughs> That's it. Like you what? Multiple times. <laughs> right. Like none of that. Like none of that was endearing to me. So, I yeah, I did not was not a fan of Guardians two. It's one of the few, one of like the only actually the only Marvel movie that I have like a total like block on. Like I will absolutely not watch Guardians two again. Um, unless I like. Unless someone had, like, a gun to my head, in which case I would. Because I think there was one scene where Chris Pratt looked really pretty because he had, like, galaxy eyes. Like, his, like, eyes were all, like, nebulous or whatever. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, he's beautiful. Um, <laughs> that's the only part of that movie I remember. That's the only part I, like, look back fondly on. Um, which, like, I loved. I loved the Guardians in Infinity War. I thought that they were great. I thought that all of their beats were amazing. Like, they were funny. Um, so, like, I'm I'm back on the, like, the Guardian side now. Like, I think they're they're great. Um, but, I, yeah, I just never, I never want to revisit that one. And I won't do it. My block is uh, the first two Thor movies. So I just, I can't compel myself to rewatch those. Really? See, I'm... I'm again. I'm the only person who uh, will defend the Dark World. I thought the Dark World was funny, and like it was not a good movie, but it was fine. Like everyone hates that movie so much. I'm just like, eh. Like it was like there were some jokes in there that like genuinely were hilarious, and like I think that that's you know, like the whole thing with like the shoes. Like, sh- like, dropping through the portal and, like, there's just a heap of shoes and, like, some weird, like, Asgardian cave somewhere. Like, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't have a problem with, with Dark World or Thor. I don't, I guess I don't really have any, like, reason to go back and rewatch them at any point. But I don't mind them. They're fine. Mostly harmless. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. They were fine in, like, a sense that, like, they didn't, like, upset me at, like, any sort of, like, visceral level. So I was like, whatever, it's fine. Uh, So one of the sites you write for is uh, DC's, and you do the TV recaps for Legends of Tomorrow, right? Yes, I do. I do their Couch Club stuff. uh, I haven't talked a ton about the DC shows uh, on this podcast, but I'm a huge Legends fan, um, which wasn't always the case, but I feel like late in the second season, the show found its magic as the loud, dumb, big action sci-fi show. Um, Do you feel like that's the case? Yes, absolutely. I think that the latter, like the back half of this Legends has been, was so much fun. And like the second they kind of figured out like the sweet spot of like exactly how serious they needed to take themselves to like make the show work Mm -hmm. versus like how seriously, like, or how like inconsequential and like irreverent they could be with everything else it just got so much better and it was just so much fun um i genuinely laughed so hard at that the season finale with the giant like stuffed toy 
in like the old West town. Like, oh my God. It's- uh, that was uh, amazing. You know, I saw it coming, but my jaw still dropped when the giant people showed up. God. Also, I, I watch, like, cause I watch them for DC. And so I usually watch them. I'm usually about two weeks ahead as far as like the, you know, the shows are concerned, which consequently means that I am watching a lot of the ones without finished visual effects, which most of the time just means like people in like green screen suits instead of like a really rod or whatever. And like, sometimes it can be really funny. Um, or like, you know, like T posed, CG models that aren't rendered yet kind of like just dropped into the scene. But for that fight, for the Bebo fight at the final, in the final episode, the version that I had to watch um, before, you know, like the final cut was made was literally someone in like the Warner brothers office. Like someone like took a cell phone camera and like shot temporary footage of them using a Batman figure and a giant Furby, like plush (laughs) toy, just like bad at like, clashing them together on like a coffee table in like the middle of the Warner Brothers office as like the stand-in for that fight before it was actually finished being rendered and I was like this just like this makes it better <laughs> like this is kind of what I want like just leave this in the actual show it's fine I, I just loved how Bebo ended up kind of becoming a, a through line uh, after that first episode uh, right after Stein died and I think he even showed up in an episode of The Flash too this season yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it was just how it looked, like I I love it. It's so dumb. Like any dumb weird thing that you can like cling to to make an actual like running gag, it's perfect. I love it. Yeah, that and um, Earthex Snart doing grief counseling with puppets. Oh my god, yeah, it's so like God. Wentworth Miller is so Wentworth Miller is a treasure. Like the best part every, of that franchise, like, every single show, yeah. he is this part of it. <laughs> Yeah, every single time he would, like, pop in. It's just the best. It was, my license plate on my car is actually Cap Cold. Like, I love Captain <laughs> Cold so much. Like, I, I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a huge fan of him, of him specifically. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what are you reading personally? Oh, God. Uh, a lot. Um, <laughs> I, 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 like call this hubris but like before I started writing about comics as like my job I like had this very like rose colored idea of like oh well if I didn't have a day job and I could just read comics like if comics reading was my job it would all be perfect I just I would never be behind on anything and it'll be it'll be great and of course like two months in I was like behind on everything it was like oh god what have I done (laughs) um so I am I read a lot of DC, which is because this is weird, but like for as much as I love Steve and I love talking about Steve and I talk about Steve every time anyone gives me an opportunity to, um, Marvel doesn't, I don't have any like contact at Marvel. Like I don't actually like work with Marvel at all. Um, but I work really closely with DC and they're really supportive of me. Um, and so I, you know, like I have access to like DC books just like crazy. Um, and so I'm up to date on not every DC book, but a lot of them. Um, so right now I'm stoked on Batman. I'm stoked on the flash, which flash war has been incredible and amazing. Um, Hawkman is coming out this week. Mm-hmm. which is very good. Um, everything that happened in metal was so good and so cool. Metal, um, I'm reading. Yeah. Oh my God. I loved it. Um, 
I'm also reading like Mr. Miracle, obviously, like who isn't reading Mr. Miracle? You Usually should be reading. We're required to. <laughs> I know. Like you were literally, you have to read Mr. Miracle if you want to read any other DC comics. It's weird. They like put a, like a, a content restraining order on you. It's bizarre. Um, <laughs> Mr. Miracle's amazing. Uh, Green Arrow's great right now. Um, I'm really excited about where Teen Titans is heading um i'm excited uh, like snyder's justice league just started it's incredible i love it i'm so stoked about uh justice league odyssey and justice league dark um over at marvel immortal hulk just started and it's the first time i've ever read like i've ever like subscribed to a bruce banner ongoing in my life i loved the first issue so much um i'm stoked on it i can't wait for more of it um i am subscribed to read uh aaron's new thor which i haven't read yet um but that's out this week i'm excited about that i'm excited about avengers now um with aaron helming it uh it's been really hmm. good yeah yeah it's been it's been good so far i'm i'm like not i think i'm one issue behind maybe i don't remember no maybe i'm not um that's the other problem is like i bad with numbers also bad remembering when things come out bad with dates um, I am also a pretty big Daredevil loyalist. Like I love Daredevil. Um, so I am constantly reading Sewell stuff. I think it's great. Um, I'm a, definitely a little bit behind in that one though. I think ugh, maybe two issues behind. Um, I very recently went, did like a, uh, Marvel Unlimited, uh, deep dive into the, uh, secret or, uh, Dr. Strange. Uh, most current, like, I guess most current run, the uh, Aaron stuff into the uh, Kate's stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, really loved it. Can't wait um, to read more of it because I am probably ooh, like 10 issues away from being done with that because Marvel Limited has that like six month gap mm-hmm. on it usually. Yeah. Um, but I did read Wade's Doctor Strange number one from last week and did not like it at all. So I was like, well, my time with Stephen Strange was brief and beautiful. Um, I liked him for the first time ever. And now I think I'm just done with him um, as far as current stuff is concerned. Yeah, I was not excited to see uh, Mark Wade on Strange. No. And like taking him to space is not... I feel like, especially now, like, with Coates and, like, the Galactic Empire Wakanda or whatever, like, <laughs> the whole, like, take a superhero to space ante has been upped so hard that, like, you can't just, like, it's no longer just, like, the failsafe that you can just, like, do. And so I feel like, you know, it was like, oh, we ran out of ideas for Stephen Strange, so now he's going to space. And, like, really, you're doing that at the same time, this, like, really cool... Black Panther in space thing is happening and it's just the most generic interpretation of the like sending someone to space ever like oh that's not great um so hopefully I mean like I'm excited to read more Doctor Strange eventually but as of right now I'm just gonna be stoked to read it as it comes on Marvel Unlimited and finishes out the run with Donny Cates because I think it's fun and cool and I like Loki as a Sorcerer Supreme uh as we're wrapping up how can people follow you online if you in fact wish to be followed 
Oh God. Yeah. Um, my Twitter handle is rusty polished, which is like rusty as in like present tense and polished as in past tense. Um, that's pretty much my handle just about everywhere. Um, unless you just search my name, which is Meg Downey and that pops up on all of the sites that I write for and I'm a freelancer. So I just go everywhere. I show up wherever I want, um, basically on any site that I write for. So, um, yeah, that's the best way to find me is rusty polished at Twitter. All right, Meg, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is great. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Monday mornings. You can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote. Finally, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views. And we will see you next time. W-M-Q-A. W-M-Q-A.